This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News. Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Happy Thanksgiving from 1819 News. What a singular and unique American phrase and holiday. It is a day replete with mountains of food, family time, and festivities, including the newer holiday tradition of football. It's a day that is credited in its origins to the pilgrims of Plymouth Plantation with their buckled hat brims and wide-muzzled muskets. Past presidents have made public declarations regarding the Puritans in the first Thanksgiving meal, even to the point of creating a national holiday to honor and to imitate these hardy people from England who survived a rough and deadly first winter in 1620 along the shores of Massachusetts, and as such, the following year they rejoiced in the harvest and cooked birds that lay on the communal table in the fall of 1621. Despite the additional food items, traditions, and American mythology that has grown surrounding this day of Thanksgiving, there is a source text to substantiate this pre-colonial event actually occurring. Edward Winslow of the Mayflower Company recorded this day in his journal on December 11th, giving credit to four men from among the Plymouth colony for their bird hunting successes, and also crediting the Indians from that area, about 90 of them, for bestowing on the plantation five deer for the feasting. Three days of entertainment and food would then follow for the whole group. Winslow even concluded his journal entry with words of gratitude, saying that by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you were partakers of our plenty. There's another journal worth revisiting regarding the people of Plymouth Plantation. The journal of their first governor, William Bradford, is a voluminous account of life in the New World with details of day-to-day living, as well as the politics, governance, industry, and faith that was exercised in the new settlement. Bradford starts his writing with the all-important backstory for why these Puritans ever boarded the Mayflower in the first place, traveling across the Atlantic with sailors, soldiers, tradesmen, and merchants. It's an interesting recount of life in the 1600s in England and Europe, and a sobering moment to consider the strength of character behind the people upon whom this holiday is credited. Also, Bradford's account of the religious strife and controversy in England in the 1600s is nothing less than a brutally honest indictment of leaders in any position, in any time in history, who let power, pride, and personal agenda go to their heads. The resulting behavior is always the oppression and persecution of those who dissent to that power in both their words and action. Listen to Bradford's recount of what led the Puritans to first secretly flee England and go to Holland, as provided by Audible and the reading of Bradford's journal by Matthew McCullough. The Episcopal party of the Protestants returned to England under gracious Queen Elizabeth many of them being preferred to bishoprics and other promotions, according to their aims and desires, with the result that their inveterate hatred towards the holy discipline of Christ in his church, represented by the dissenting part, has continued to this day. Furthermore, for fear it should ultimately prevail, all kinds of devices were used to keep it out, incensing the queen and state against it as a danger to the commonwealth arguing that it was most needful that the fundamental points of religion should be preached in these ignorant and superstitious times, and that in order to win the weak and ignorant, it was necessary to retain various harmless ceremonies, and that though reforms were desirable, this was not the time for them. 
Many such excuses were put forward to silence the more godly, and to induce them to yield to one ceremony after another, and one corruption after another. By these wiles, some were beguiled and others corrupted, till at length they began to persecute all the zealous reformers in the land, unless they would submit to their ceremonies and become slaves to them and their popish trash, which has no ground in the word of God, but is a relic of that man of sin. And the more the light of the gospel grew, the more they urged subjection to these corruptions, so that, notwithstanding all their former pretenses, those whose eyes God had not justly blinded easily saw their purpose. In order the more to cast contempt upon the sincere servants of God, they opprobriously gave them the name of Puritans, which it is said the Novatians assumed out of pride. It is lamentable to see the effects which have followed. Religion has been disgraced, the godly grieved, afflicted, persecuted, and many exiled, while others have lost their lives in prisons and other ways. On the other hand, sin has been countenanced, ignorance, profanity, and atheism have increased, and the papists have been encouraged to hope again for a day. Bradford recounts the one of many ways that the dissenting group was targeted, humiliated, punished, and financially exploited by the established religious persecutors who use both the governing authorities and the lawless as their enforcers. For though it was made intolerable for them to stay, they were not allowed to go. The ports were shut against them, so that they had to seek secret means of conveyance to bribe the captains of ships and give extraordinary rates for their passages. Often they were betrayed, their goods intercepted, and thereby were put to great trouble and expense. A large number of them had decided to take passage from Boston in Lincolnshire, and for that purpose had hired a ship wholly to themselves, and made agreement with the captain to be ready at a convenient place on a certain day to take them and their belongings. After long waiting and great expense, he had not kept day with them. He came at last and took them aboard at night. But when he had secured them and their goods, he betrayed them, having arranged beforehand with the searchers and other officers to do so. They then put them in open boats and there rifled and ransacked them, searching them to their shirts for money, and even the women further than became modesty and took them back to the town and made a spectacle of them to the multitude that came flocking on all sides to see them. Being thus rifled and stripped of their money, books, and other property, they were brought before the magistrates, and messengers were sent to inform the lords of the council about them. The magistrates treated them courteously, and showed them what favor they could, but dare not free them until order came from the council table. The result was, however, that after a month's imprisonment, the majority were dismissed and sent back to the places whence they came, but seven of the leaders were kept in prison and bound over to the Assizes. The Puritans were determined to be free in faith, and they did indeed escape from England in varied ways and at different times. After living over a decade in Holland, the Puritans had grown as a congregation in their spiritual freedom and worship. They learned to also be both industrious and hardworking outside of the farming community that they were used to, in this new culture and government of Holland, and they contributed to the moral fiber and doctrinal debates that were happening at the university in the city of Leiden. But war in Europe between Spain and Holland was imminent, and the Puritans knew that the combination of an established Roman Catholic Church and Spanish government would be no less persecuting than that of their own countrymen in England. So for that reason, 
along with several others that included great concern for the physical depreciation of the older generation under hard labor and the spiritual future of their youth and young adults, the Puritans formed a charter to head to the New World. Last and not least, they cherished a great hope and inward zeal of laying good foundations, or at least of making some way towards it, for the propagation and advance of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in the remote parts of the world even though they should be but stepping stones to others in the performance of so great a work. These and some other similar reasons moved them to resolve upon their removal, which they afterwards prosecuted in the face of great difficulties, as will appear. In summary, these journal entries from Bradford show a targeting of dissenters by the established powers who want control over both the narrative and the behavior of the masses, persecution by all means possible to dissuade, discourage, and even destroy those who challenge that establishment, truth replaced with well-decorated lies, and substance obscured by meaningless symbolism and ritual, families brought to financial ruin, and relationships strained or forced apart with the economic hardships to follow. So much has changed in how we live in these United States since the first turkeys were placed on the Puritans' table in 1621, and yet not much at all. That statement applies to both the negative human behavior, but also the positive and the things that we can be thankful for. The same good and loving God that the Puritans entrusted themselves to is fully engaged with the affairs of men in these times. The same truth of the gospel is the uniting flame for all believers now as it was back then. Truth is still an unstoppable force of nature and will rise to the surface despite whatever layers of deception are attempted by some to cover it up. The only question yet to be fully answered for generations to come as they look back on this time in history is whether we, the gun-loving, Bible-toting Americans, as some have chosen to describe us, still have the same level of spiritual stamina of our forefathers, their same endurance in the face of varied hardship, their same fierce devotion to God and His revealed immutable truths, and the same sacrificial spirit willing to engage in whatever personal upheaval is required for the greater mission. Those are all necessary prerequisites to getting on that boat of unknown outcomes in any time or age and sailing with the winds provided by an almighty God. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 